0: It's Friday, June 28th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into a tense moment in last night's Democratic debate about race. We'll explain why Senator Kamala Harris called out former VP Joe Biden on school busing and why it still matters today. Then world leaders are talking trade at the G20 summit in Osaka. We'll give you the details. And finally, how Europe is dealing with historic heat it's revealing. We're here to make your Friday smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about last night. The one thing that everyone's still talking about after round two of the first 2020 Democratic debate. The candidates tackled a lot of things last night. Big issues like immigration, healthcare, and income inequality. Then the issue of race came up. And California Senator Kamala Harris had something to say to the front runner, former VP Joe Biden.
1: And I'm gonna now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist.
0: And then there was a but. What happened next has been making headlines all day. And we're going to break down what exactly Harris was calling Biden out on and why it's a big deal. There are two big things Harris brought up with Biden yesterday on stage. First, a statement he made about working well with people he didn't agree with.
1: It's personal, and it, it was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country.
0: So what was all that about? Harris was referring to recent comments Biden made at a fundraiser about two former U.S. senators. James Eastland of Mississippi, and Herman Talmadge of Georgia. Biden knew them back when he first became a U.S. senator in 1973. Eastland and Talmadge were Democrats, but they were also big opponents of civil rights and desegregation. Eastland would often call black people an inferior race. Yeah, really, really bad. So, fast forward to this recent fundraiser. Biden said he disagreed with these guys on a lot, but, quote, at least there was some civility. We got things done. So Harris was calling him out for using collaboration with segregationist senators as a way to tout his works well with others cred while on the campaign trail. But Harris didn't stop there. She pointedly connected Biden to those segregationist senators, saying the collaboration wasn't great for African-Americans.
1: You also worked with them to oppose busing.
0: Just that word, busing. There's a big Biden backstory here. It actually starts way before Biden's time in the Senate. In 1954, the Supreme Court ruled that racial segregation in schools was unconstitutional. But it took years for school districts to get on board. Civil rights activists took a bunch to court, and federal judges forced schools to integrate, because it would be better for kids of all races, black and white. One of the solutions was busing, ordering school districts to bus black kids from inner city schools to mostly white schools in the suburbs, and vice versa. Lots of white families freaked out about that, including families in Wilmington, Delaware in 1974. That's Biden's hometown. Biden supported integrating schools, but he was against busing. Most people polled in the U.S. at that time agreed with him, including Democrats. But Biden took action. He sponsored legislation to keep federal funds out of busing programs. He pushed legislation to prohibit federal judges from ordering busing unless they could prove racist motivation. And he got support on that bill from Senator James Eastland, the segregationist we talked about before, who at the time was really powerful in the Senate, the guy Biden is still proud of having collaborated with. Last night, Harris made it clear that Biden's opposition to busing wasn't just history. It was part of her history. Harris's hometown of Berkeley, California, was the first major city to voluntarily come up with a busing plan back in 1968.
1: You know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day.
0: And that little girl was me. Of course, Biden responded to all of this. He said he wasn't praising racists when he made those comments about the segregationist senators. He touted his longtime support of civil rights and LGBT rights. And he said that when it came to his opposition to busing, it was about it being federally mandated.
1: Do you agree today that you were wrong to oppose busing in America then? No. Do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. What I opposed is busing ordered by the Department
0: of Education.
1: That's what I opposed.
0: Harris pushed back. She said busing shows that the federal government sometimes needs to step in when local governments fail. And she cited other civil rights issues like it that have been on the back burner for a long time. So what's the skim? Busing might seem like old history, but Biden's taking criticism from activists in the Me Too and Black Lives Matter movements for not owning up for decisions he made in the past. And again last night, he didn't say he was wrong. Speaking to the Rainbow Push Coalition for civil rights today in Chicago, he defended his record fighting for civil rights throughout his career. Biden's position back then is getting more attention now because he's the frontrunner in the most diverse field of Democratic candidates ever. But he's not the only one getting heat. Kamala Harris has also taken criticism for not doing enough to help the Black community when she was a public prosecutor in California. And at last night's debate, Mayor Pete Buttigieg had to answer for a police-involved shooting of a Black man in his town of South Bend, Indiana. As far as busing goes, in the early 90s, courts started overturning many of those federally mandated busing programs. Most are gone now, and in recent years, schools have actually become more and more segregated busing hasn't really been brought up again as a possible solution. Now Kamala Harris's campaign says she's in support, but no details yet. So last night's debate is still making headlines. Meanwhile, the guy whose job they all want is halfway across the world, meeting with other world leaders, and also making headlines. That's next. <laughs> Another power meeting is taking place in Japan this weekend. The leaders from the world's top economies are at the G20 summit. It's basically two days of one-on-ones and group hangs. Some of them go well, others, not so much. There's been a lot of talk about President Trump's meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin, where he wagged a finger and seemed to joke about Russian interference in the U.S. elections. It lit some fires here at home, but not much else came out of that meeting. The big conversation we're waiting for is between President Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping. This face-to-face is like a peace summit in the middle of an ongoing trade war. The U.S. has been raising tariffs on Chinese products trying to get them to change the way they do business with U.S. companies. And China has bumped up their tariffs right back. The war between the world's two largest economies hasn't been great for either country. Or for the rest of the global economy. Members of both administrations say that all options are on the table for the big meeting tomorrow, from coming to a truce to launching fresh attacks with new tariffs. But that's tomorrow. Today, the big trade talk was with India. The U.S. could also be headed towards a trade showdown with the world's second most populous country. Earlier this month, the Trump administration ended a trade policy that had given India open access to the U.S. market without having to pay tariffs. So India raised tariffs on some U.S. goods as payback. Ahead of Trump's meeting with India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi this morning, he tweeted that India's tariffs were unacceptable and must be withdrawn. Everything seemed better afterwards, though. Trump praised Modi and said he would announce very big trade deals with India and Japan soon. There's even a picture of the leaders from all three countries fist-bumping. But we don't have any of the details yet. But while all these hush-hush talks are happening inside the summit, not everyone in Osaka is using their indoor voices. Protests kind of go hand-in-hand with G20 summits. This year, they're being fueled by demonstrators who are protesting a new bill in Hong Kong about extradition. That's when one country hands over a person who has been accused of a crime in another country so they can face trial there. In the past few weeks, millions of people have taken to the streets in Hong Kong to stop a law that would allow extraditions to China. This has been a big deal. Remember, Hong Kong is basically like a territory of China, even though it mostly plays by its own rules. Their protests might be working. Reports say that Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe brought it up to China's President Xi in their one-on-one last night. The U.S. women's national soccer team beat France 2-1 in the World Cup quarterfinal today. This was a huge face-off, home team versus the defending champs. The woman of the match, US women's forward Megan Rapinoe. She scored both US goals in the game today. She's the one with the pink pixie cut, number 15 on her jersey. Rapinoe's been a top scorer at three World Cups and two Olympics. Back home, she plays for the Seattle Reign. This week, Rapinoe also got a lot of attention for saying she wouldn't accept an invitation to the White House if Team USA won the World Cup. It caused a bit of a stir in the oval. President Trump tweeted he'd invite them, win or lose. But this kind of political play is pretty in character for Rapino. She's known as an activist. She's been leading her team's fight for equal pay. And she's an advocate for LGBTQ plus rights. We've got a whole guide on the U.S. women's team and the Women's World Cup at the skim.com slash guides. And before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from Europe. Things are heating up. And not in a good way. In France, where the Women's World Cup is playing, temps hit a record 114 degrees Fahrenheit today. That's led to school closures and forest fires. In Germany, they had to impose a temporary speed limit on parts of the Audubon. In some places, the concrete is cracking. In others, the asphalt is melting. Yikes some meteorologists are blaming climate change. They say the heat is coming from hot air in Northern Africa blasting into Western Europe. Officials have issued public health warnings, and they're urging people not to take any unnecessary risks to cool down. One German guy did not pay attention to those warnings. He was stopped while riding his moped for wearing nothing but his helmet and sandals. His comments to the cops? It's warm, eh? That's an understatement. And that's all for Skim This. Happy Friday and thanks for listening. For more Skim over the weekend, you can check out our premium content. We've got an audio deep dive on equal pay in sports and another one on the history of the Stonewall Riots. You can find them on our Skim app in your app store.